Slovenly trolls, slovenly trolls, we're big, bad, evil girls. Hello, harlots, and welcome to this episode of the Slovenly Trolls podcast. I am your faithful host, your favorite host, Lissa. And I am your actual favorite host, the one with the most, the one with the most charisma, Sade. That is hearsay, and you love me. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we could fight with our listeners all day and all night, and we all know who's going to win. It's, it's me. me. <laughs> no, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> this rivalry just got upped, like, to a new degree. <laughs> I am not to be blamed for this. This is you not my started fault. it. You said I am your favorite host. Do not give me that crap. You started this. You started the fire, Billy Joel. I don't know what that reference means. So, um... Except, well, hold, no, no, no. Hold, you don't know. We didn't start the fire by Billy Joel. The song, oh, the iconic you, song. That that you, yeah, I know the song i don't well yeah now that you say it, it's a song yeah now I, I know the song you're talking about i was uh, about to end our frenemy ship <laughs> i mean fair we'll see if there's a an episode next month whether or not we're still <laughs> it's always up in the air honestly to be honest either we procrastinate too much or one of us just starts to hate the other one or we both start to hate each other yeah, all are equally likely. Both is good. So back to the actual point. Um, <laughs> welcome to this episode. We are on episode fifteen. We have yet to name it. Yep. Nope. But it is about dragon boobs, dragon titties, dragon boobs, lizard tits, uh, reptile breasts, non-mammal mammaries. Yeah, to name a few. Fun fact, lizard tits also means prostitute titties, according to Urban Dictionary. Who who, who made that up and put that on Urban <laughs> Dictionary is my question. I don't know. And what makes lizard tits be prostitute titties or prostitute titties be lizard tits? Wait, where is the connection? They are non-existent? They are... Yeah, I was going to say, what, what, what does Urban Dictionary say about them? It didn't say anything. There was no description. It was just lizard tits what? equals prostitute titties. That was the entire description. It wasn't a very good description. No, it's not very good at all. Get your head out of your ass, Urban Dictionary. <laughs> so this episode will be in three parts. We will start off with the history of dragon boobs. As told by Charday. I will do the context of non-human tits. And then Sharday will finish us off with Dragonborn and other lore. Oh, I'm a whore for lore. What can I say? Yes, she is a whore for lore. <laughs> I have a sweater that says it and everything. So you know it's real. Mm-hmm. When I have merch. <laughs> <laughs> so some patron shout outs. Our favorite people. Kim Winson. Becca Melema, Matt Dunn, Scott Williams, Tony Lattinen, Ryan Sheldon, Freen, Russ Lazetsky, Antonia Kessner. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. They're my favorite peeps. <laughs> and our content warnings for this episode are very few and far in between. We're going to be talking about titties. So if you don't like titties, <laughs> um, skip this episode. 
If you are uncomfortable with titties, boobs, or any other synonyms having to do with them, you could skip. Totally cool. We'll see you next episode. It's fine. But who doesn't love a nice boobies, you know? Mm. I guess people have their preferences, but. If you're triggered by titties, skip it. Yeah. No judgment. So, uh, part one? <laughs> Without further ado, part one. <laughs> the worst transition we've ever done. That's fine. <laughs> yep. <laughs> part one. The history of dragon boobs. Now, it's just occurring to me that the start of this section, some of you might not know what we mean by dragon boobs. So TLDR, it's exactly what you think it is. It's just mostly in context, we're going to be talking about dragonborn. So the race of dragonborn in Dungeons and Dragons and how female dragonborn for two whole editions of D&D had boobies. (laughs) Like they were drawn with boobies a.k.a. mammal anatomy, even though they're reptilian. So as you can imagine with that kind of imagery, uh, it might stir up some feelings. Uh, Whether those are positive or negative is to be seen. But we stumbled upon this topic, God, how long ago was it? Months? A year? A very long time ago, I feel like we've been aware of this. We were doing research for something. I think it was during our art episode. Yeah, it was. It came up pretty long time ago, and it's sort of been there the whole time as well. Mm-hmm. It pops back up every now and then. And we came across this, I think, one or two different web pages. I wouldn't necessarily call them articles. One was like a Wikipedia-like sub page and one of them was a random message board rant and they were talking about this dragon boob controversy is basically what they called it that started around the time fourth edition was announced and we had no idea what the heck that was so we did like a little bit of research on it but then you know the more we looked into it the more we were like oh this this deserves its entire and an entire episode about it because there's There's a lot here. Uh, There's a lot we don't understand about this yet, and we are going to save it for later. And now is later. You're welcome. Merry Christmas to all. To all a good night. Here's an entire episode on dragon titties and a a dragon titty controversy (laughs) from like the early 2000s. Because it's fascinating, honestly, and it says a lot about how D&D has grown, what it used to be, what it is, and just the, I don't know, just society in general, I think. so. To start us off, I'm just going to take us briefly through the history of the dragon boob controversy, because if you're anything like us, you have no idea what the fuck we're talking about, especially if you started playing D&D recently with 5th edition, because all of this stuff happened around 4th edition. So like 2007 to 2011-ish is when these conversations were happening. So picture it. It all started with some 4th edition teaser images around the year 2007 when people just discovered what Facebook was. There were some people who still used MySpace, rest in peace. (laughs) And there were a hell of a lot of Taylor Swift songs on the radio, which there still are. So I guess not that much has changed. (laughs) Nothing has changed. Facebook is still around. (laughs) Taylor Swift is still around. 
MySpace is also still around. It's just a shell of what it used to be. And all of they deleted all your pictures and private messages without telling you. So. I mean, now that Twitter was bought out by Elon Musk, um, apparently Don't some people are going me. back to MySpace or, or Tumblr. So it might come back. It might come back. And if it does, we'll create a MySpace profile. Why not? Why not? That'd be fun. Tumblr I'm more iffy about because Tumblr was always a dumpster fire for me. <laughs> I was on Tumblr in its heyday, and let me tell you, I have some stories. Today is not the day for those stories, but I've seen some shit. And um, one day, maybe, I will talk about it. <laughs> so around the year 2007, at Gen Con, that was where I believe this whole controversy happened. So I was trying to make a timeline of when this whole, quote, dragon boob controversy happened. Very difficult to do. Nobody in any of the forums that I looked at was like, oh, yeah, this all started with this. They just all pointed to the same image, which was a teaser image for fourth edition for the Dragonborn race as starting it. But I don't know where this image premiered. So I'm assuming it was around the time when it was released at Gen Con. So either the image was shown at Gen Con or it was around the same time when they were, you know, filtering a bunch of promotional images to get people excited about the new edition. So about now you're probably asking yourself, what the fuck does this image look like, Charday? Well, if you follow us on Twitter and Instagram, you probably already know what it looks like. If not, we will link to it to our, in our sources. And uh, I will also be giving a brief description. So picture a dragon, a red scale dragonborn rogue. So she's in kind of like a sneaky position, taking a knee, looks like she's about to maybe perform a sneak attack or something. She's holding a serrated short sword or a long dagger. I can never really tell <laughs> with some of the art styles, but it's a shorter pointed weapon and as one can predict her armor is a bit iffy I'll just describe it to you it is boob plate <laughs> it has a plate bra exposing the dragonborn tum-tum and her bottoms are also basically non-existent it looks like she's wearing a loincloth but weirdly enough I wouldn't call her pose sensual I would just call her armor or lack thereof sensual. And the biggest thing about this that struck me, and I think most people who see this image, was titties. The, there's Dragonborn with titties, <laughs> especially coming from 5th edition where Dragonborn females are not presented with that kind of anatomy. It was kind of, I didn't think it was real. I thought it was made up. It is not. It is an actual image. And she has boobs with boob plate. It, it's it's something. Lisa, what do you when you look at the picture of the fourth edition Dragonborn Rogue, what what are your thoughts when you see it? Good, bad, in between, do you not care? I'm concerned. Is that an eight pack? It does kind of look like it. So yeah, so her midsection is scaly and kind of folded, I guess, in appearance. And it does kind of present itself as it It looks very muscular. Yeah. So I think you can interpret it as muscular. And she looks, she's unnecessarily curvaceous mm -hmm. for what a lizard is. So I think, is that that like fine line between 
wanting to portray like a a hero who's obviously all heroes are buff and they're musculars or they're they are muscular and their muscles are like honed and you can clearly see because obviously all heroes have big muscles or honed muscles rather Mm -hmm. that's what i'm kind of getting from this like i don't i don't know that she's a dragonborn based on the image if you hadn't told me or if i can't see the text of dragonborn like she is lizard. She does look more like a lizard. Yeah, but there's a lot going on in the image. But I am drawn to the tits because she is wearing like a plate bra. Mm-hmm. I don't. I can't. Which is weird too because usually, I mean, it, she is also wearing. I should say that her armor is finished. She has some sort of leg pieces. She has shoulder pad leather pieces. But the bra aspect of this armor and the sarong, sarong is not quite the right word, but like thong-like ver- <laughs> like bottoms of these this armor, that's in metal. So I don't really know what kind of armor this is supposed to be, if this is armor, if this is plated, or it's very It's kind confusing. of a mix of both. Which is, it, that's very nitpicky, to be honest, but like... It's it is a confusing image. I think you're I think you're right in that it looks more lizard like than what we know Dragonborn as by fifth edition, which is you look at it, you're like, oh, that's like a combination of a humanoid and a dragon. But this looks like a combination of maybe what, like a a lizard or a snake and a person with. Yeah, I didn't even notice the curves, honestly, because I was too distracted by the boobs. But I think you're right on that, too, in that. Her figure, this Dragonborn Rose figure, is very humanoid. If you take away the scaly texture uh, and the claws, because she does have claw hands and I think four fingers, if you take away that, it's just a human curvaceous woman body. You just take away the claws, you take away the the dragonoid feet, you take away the lizard face. It's Mm -hmm. very humanoid, which is different. (laughs) Lot of lot of thoughts, lot of confusing feelings. Not quite sure if we like it or not. I think mostly I'm just I was confused when I saw it. I wasn't necessarily angry. I was angry at the boob plate because by this point I've seen so much of it that I'm just like, really? Yeah. This was probably released around 2007, which to me doesn't feel that long ago, but it actually is kind of a long time ago. It's like almost 15 years ago. Yeah, which I don't like thinking about. Uh, but it still feels like relatively recent. It's in the new millennium. So when I see boob plate that's that late in the game, I'm like, Ugh, really? But the fact that it's boob plate on a dragonborn, which my mind always associates with more reptilian, I think it just it just sends a lot of cogs spinning uh, in our brains. And it sent a lot of other people's brains spinning too because this image, when it was released, sparked a huge debate in the D&D community that continues to this day. So there are a lot of discussions that are archived on N-World, on a bunch of other message boards that um, are all about what you would expect. And I know I looked into a couple of N-World discussions, but I know you looked into some as well. Could you give us, I, I kind of boiled it down to like a question that a lot of them ask, but like what are some examples that you remember just off the top of your head when you were looking at these discussions? Because you're the N-World expert, not me. <laughs> Well, I mean, I kind of go through what the gist of it was in my section, the contact section, but the most of it talk 
most of them uh, talked about, is it biologically correct? Why it's not biologically correct? What actually dragonborn are? Why this works? Some people said they don't care. Some people were like, well, why don't, why do you even notice? Like, just don't play a d dragonborn. Uh, some people, there was one person who specifically liked breasts on dragonborns because then this was a, a she was a female according to her post and she wanted to represent herself through the breasts and needed breasts on a dragonborn so it was it was all around different people had different opinions but i don't know what you're asking me <laughs> well yeah no i mean yeah that's that's basically it just like a, a survey of you know all the discussions because there were many there are so many different discussions there were polls i found a poll on n world that basically asks yeah. are you for or against dragon boobs and there were a bunch of yeses and not so many no's and then a couple i don't care there's no real consensus whether or not no, they should yeah. be because people just have different opinions and there's no right answer obviously but to be quite honest i don't even know if i have a fully formed opinion on it like yeah. hopefully by the end of the episode and <laughs> talking it through because we usually we save our analysis and a lot of our like discussions for actually recording the episodes we don't pre-plan a lot of that so i'm hoping by the end of the episode like i'll have a formed opinion because honestly i'm just as i don't know what to think about this <laughs> as much as the next person yeah so hopefully this episode will help us understand and will also help you all understand and maybe form opinions or just decide you don't really care. And that's valid, too, because a lot of people don't seem to care. Mm. But a big question that I saw that you mentioned was why does this reptilian looking creature have titties? That was what a huge through line that I saw, because dragons usually have scales and most people... I would assume that makes them reptiles because they have the same biological makeup, at least on the outside. Mm -hmm. So reptiles, you know, have dry scaly skin. They're usually cold-blooded and they mostly lay eggs. So when a, per a person, <laughs> when a person lays an egg, nope, that's, <laughs> nope. When a creature <laughs> lays an egg, usually that means they don't breastfeed, which is the biological reason that mammals have breasts is it's to feed their young there was also a lot of discussion of sexual dimorphism there was also talk in these discussion forums there's the one article that i found is i feel hesitant even mentioning it but it brought up a good question it's on a site called 1d4chan and, you know, with a title like that, you know it's going to be, it's, it's great. Do not really recommend reading it. It's kind of toxic in the way that it covers the dragon boob controversy. It basically calls everybody, like, awful names for even caring about it because it's, I think it's associated with 4chan. And we all know 4chan. They love to mm. use the excuse of trolling to be an asshole, um, in my experience. But they did ask a very interesting question in, like, why did this dragon boob controversy happen in 2006, 2007? Why didn't it happen sooner? Because third edition had dragon boobs in it. So why did this image being released make people upset? And why did it spark a controversy? And I have a theory on why this is. 
And my theory is by this point, Wizards of the Coast had the IP for Dungeons and Dragons. And they had been making a lot of positive changes with the marketing and with the just overall content of the books. It was still a little bit iffy, but they were marketing more towards a diverse audience. They were marketing towards women. They were marketing towards marginalized groups. They were getting rid of a lot of legacy content that was really not so great, such as Oriental Adventures and stuff. And so they were becoming a more welcome environment for people with differing opinions than the audience that had access to Dungeons and Dragons before, which we've hypothesized this a lot and we've talked to people a lot about it. Uh, even with you guys, about how, you know, early D&D was just marketed towards straight, white, young men. And that group of people had been the majority in this hobby for so long, and it attracted all these like-minded people that when it diversified its content and invited a lot more people to play because of that, those opinions were louder because there were more people playing with those opinions. So that's my theory on why maybe this happened. I don't know if it's true or not. I'm just spitballing. But I'm guessing that's why this whole dragon boob controversy happened. I don't know. I'm not a sociologist. (laughs) And last but not least, as we close out this section, not super long because, again, I tried to make a timeline of things to make this more easily digestible, but... It's really, really hard to make one because it just seems like they released this image. There was a bunch of discourse online that is still happening today, happened then, continues to happen now. So I'm just trying to more give you a general idea and a feeling of what was going on and what continues to go on. But I thought Wizards of the Coast's response was important to talk about because they didn't really have a response to it, which I thought was kind of interesting, especially since social media was around at this time, but there was no trace of Wizards of the Coast talking about it. They did the ye old company ignore, which, you know, is a, is a strategy. But there were responses to this controversy in 2017. This is in fifth edition times. So Chris Perkins, who is a senior story designer at D&D, put out two tweets Uh, in relation to dragon titties. Uh, On August 10th, he quote quote, retweeted the question, has anyone tried to establish a canonical explanation for why female dragonborn seem to have breasts? And he answered, short answer, to visually distinguish females from males in 4th edition art, we removed the breasts in 5th edition. How do you feel about that answer, Lissa? Short answer, to visually distinguish them. That's very, that's like a politician's answer, not taking sides and not not poking the bear, not giving a real, I mean, it is an answer, but it's not, it's also not an answer in a way. As, a, as somebody who went to art school, you went to art school, is it, do you think it's a valid, even if it is a PR response, do you think it still holds up a bit of credence? Because it, like the need to visually distinguish female dragonborn from male dragonborn? Well, what I personally think is I, the society in general 
before we became inclusive to there being more than two genders, it was very binary. You either were male or you were female. It that's it's just how it was. So I think based on the history of how the game was de- designed itself, it was gender binary. Like you have male and you have female. And there's nothing in between. So in that way, if you take a look at it from like a gender binary perspective, yes, you want players to be able to, that's the easy answer. You want players to be able to distinguish men from women because that's all there is. But if we're looking at it from, you know, being inclusive, which we as a society are now becoming, we're not, you know, fully there yet. Some of us are there. Others are still working on it. But now it it's not a gender binary situation anymore. So now it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. on, on that level to distinguish, to be able to distinguish, like, is it a man? Is it a woman? Is it something in between? Like, d- does their gender matter? Do their pronouns matter? You could ask the character, but, like, in, in a guidebook to show inclusivity i guess i guess you would put i would you put titties on there to be inclusive to persons who have titties maybe but does that automatically make them a female nowadays no but it's it's in 2006 2007 maybe because like we said it it feels like not a long time ago but it, it was like these conversations were happening but they weren't on center stage yet. And I yeah. guess play, I hate using this term, but we both use it interchangeably and I hope our listeners know we're kind of using it ironically, but there's really not a other good term to say this. Playing the devil's advocate, biologically, distinguishing two sexes, like two different reproductive systems, basically. How do you distinguish between that in a race that's not humanoid and... You know, I think I get where they're coming from with that. Us as humans, we have very distinct reproductive biological systems that are used and that distinguish us if we choose to present that way in the way that our bodies were born, I mm-hmm. guess. I don't know if that's the right word to word that, but I hope you know what I mean. If we choose to identify with that. But also, these are dragonborn. <laughs> These aren't humans. Yeah. So I find it very odd and honestly, a little lazy. I'm just putting it out there. A little lazy. It is lazy. That you couldn't you couldn't think of another way to distinguish these two different reproductive systems that wasn't humanoid. It's treating your readers like they're stupid, which in my opinion. I've been told this a lot in art school and that you need to treat your audience like they're stupid. And I vehemently disagree with that. I think people are a lot smarter. And if you have a if you have a reason for distinguishing the two different reproductive systems, they'll catch on to it. They're smart. They'll get it. It's like, you know, we know that male peacocks look the way they do because they're trying to attract a mate. We know they don't have a penis. 
we know well i mean you you uh, you know what i mean <laughs> like they have the, <laughs> now I've, I've lost the plot now i'm just thinking of bird penises which <laughs> But hopefully you know what I mean. Like, you know, we know as people that reproduction and mating rituals and stuff, they're different in different species. So why would you default to human stuff for a distinctly non-human race? Because it's the easy way out. That's what it is. Yeah, it's easy. Yeah. I I guess like in the way that, you know, you want to simply – you want to fundamentally boil it down to like the simplest solution of how to convey the message that there are two kinds or two sexes or whatever, even though it's not binary, but there are two reproductive systems. But yes, it's they are dragonborn, but they're also humanoid. So there's that line between is it how much of biology or like reality do we go with and how much of fantasy is there like yes there there's like this place where they could have done something and said like oh they're like peacocks so the male lizard has this fabulous coat of colors that rises up they could have done that yeah but they were like eh let's put some boobs on the female and be done with it and that's what it reads to me yeah, Reese is lazy. No. Reese is lazy, and then because there's boob plate, it just reads as just another excuse to draw boob plate and have it in there because it, there's some uh, – I don't know. There, There's a lot of layers to this, but mm-hmm. I think overall it's just lazy. Yeah. Personal opinion. Just personal opinion. But back on to – uh Chris Perkins he did another tweet in 2017 later that year he quote retweeted a tweet that no longer exists but his response is still up and it says I get asked this question a lot female dragonborn don't have boobs in fifth edition so apparently people are still asking this question a lot to him to the point where he has admitted to that so it just goes to show that people are still talking about this in multiple different forms. Oh, no, people are still definitely talking about it because as I was reading, there is or was on Reddit even just last year was the most recent thing on r slash D&D memes was they called it Tittygate 2021. <laughs> Titty spelled T-I-D-D-Y. Tittygate 2021, which was this, I found this m- mod post by the mods of D&D memes on the, on Reddit and they were like we don't know what's happening but there's uh, a lot of people posting about lizard tits and um and all of these posts always led to you know not so nice language down the line because everybody had opinions and opinions are some people have very brash opinions and they get very rude when they post about them on the internet so you know it's still going on there is no right answer and until wizards of the coast says something about it draws a line they won't they probably won't publicly (laughs) hopefully people are just gonna keep talking about it like it started in 2007 it's still going on It is. And I just I don't think there's a right way to address it. Honestly, I think having one of their senior people 
tweet about it is probably the closest the company will ever get to talking about it. Yeah. I don't think we're ever going it, to... It, it's in the grand scheme of things, honestly. It's probably not as big of an... It, it probably... It definitely is not as big of an issue as drow. <laughs> well, and yeah. it's not, in my opinion, I don't think it's as big of an issue as like the harmful depictions of women as goddesses. Mm-hmm. It's not as inherently problematic. It's just, I think it's lazy, but there's also other layers on maybe why they did what they did and why, how culture probably shaped them into doing what they did, which is basically what this episode is about. We're not trying to give like a definitive explanation, but we're trying to contextualize it as best as we can so that we can understand why they did what they did and dissect how they actually did ultimately respond. Because while they didn't respond to this controversy publicly, they responded to it, I think, in lore, and they tried to justify Mm. why they put breasts on Dragonborn, and that's the part that I find the most fascinating. (laughs) And we'll get to that later like they doubled down in their lore but they have never addressed it really publicly until those chris perkins tweets it just it gets it gets interesting it gets spicy it gets weird it gets (laughs) suspicious and um we're gonna we're gonna talk all about it but that's basically all i had for like if you're not familiar what dragon boobs are or what the dragon boob controversy was, or that there even was any of these discussions, now you know. And we haven't come to any definitive conclusions yet. We're both equally confused and still don't really know. But all we know is that this discussion has a lot of layers, and we're going to try to pick them apart as best we can. So unless you have any other opinions on that, Lissa. Nope. Okay. We're going to move on to... A part two. Part two. Putting tits on non-humans, a.k.a. context. So for context, why would you put tits on a dragonborn? Putting tits on a dragonborn is essentially anthropomorphizing dragons. Anthropomorphizing. Anthropomorphizing dragons. And, well, dragons are already sort of anthropomorphic in a way because they genuinely do have the ability to speak. But what does anthropomorphism even mean? So when you put tits on a non-human thing, aka an animal hybrid, I guess you would call a dragonborn, it's giving it human attributes or human qualities. Because when you're making a humanoid thing, race, species, you are giving it human qualities specifically. So, for example, typically you see animals on cartoons who can talk or gods who have human bodies. Anthropomorphizing something is a tale as old as time or a tale as old as the Bible, for instance. Because as we talked about in our Women Are Monsters episode, the snake in the Garden of Eden with e- that talked to Eve specifically, well, that's snakes don't talk. 
So what? That was what just anthropomorphizing the snake and also giving it tits in some instances. Because obviously, if you didn't listen to that episode, so the point of that was to make the snake be the likeness of Eve because Eve took the apple from the snake or rather listened to the snake and ate the apple like the snake suggested. And so that makes Eve the likeness of the snake. Therefore, if you give the tits to the snake and all that, but you should go listen to the episode. Obviously, you should listen to all of our episodes first off. Second off, listen to that one specifically. (laughs) Yeah, that was my favorite episode so far. So why would you put tits on a dragonborn? So reading the N-World discussion on nworld.org.com.edu, as Charday likes to say, (laughs) it's a question of whether it's biology. Is it a biological reason you put tits on a dragonborn? Or is it an aesthetical reason? If it's the case of a biological reason... It comes down to the fact of what are dragonborn biologically. So biologically, breasts are used for nursing young, as Chardet mentioned. So number one, are dragonborns, or if rather, dragonborns are mammals, they would have breasts. Because the word mammal comes from the Latin word mama, which means breast. Therefore, it's an animal that suckles its young. I I feel... Like, there's a joke there, but I don't want to say it. Say it anyway. Mommy? Sorry. Mommy, (laughs) sorry. Sorry. It just adds a whole new layer to that. I didn't know that Latin mama means breast. So, Mm -hmm. you know, whenever you – now whenever I see that meme of mommy, sorry. Mommy, I'm just going to say booby, sorry. Booby, sorry. Booby, sorry. Which, I mean – Usually when people are using that meme, it is because the woman presented look has big titty or yeah, is, yeah usually. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess it checks out, but man, does that add a whole nother layer. <laughs> Great. <laughs> love, love to see it. So not all mammals have breasts and there are some mammals that actually do lay eggs and these are called monotremes. Chardet will go into those later. Some of these monotremes include the duck-billed platypus and four different types of echidna that all live in the Australia-slash-oceanic region of the world. But there are also other exceptions because as, you know, biology and things and evolution, you always have exceptions to a rule. So while all of these are overarching sort of requirements for you to be classified as a mammal there are always going to be some mammals that don't have body hair or have different kinds of body hair that have different kinds of teeth uh have eggs that hatch internally and then they give live birth general signs of a mammal include the following so they are usually warm-blooded which means that they generate their own body heat and also insulate and perspire they have mammary Mammary glands, so breasts. Mommy glands? Sorry. Mommy Mommy glands? glands? They have mommy glands. (laughs) So breasts, except for the monotremes. They have legs that start from beneath the body of the animal. They have a certain kind of bone structure, ears that are sensitive to sound, that cannot detect ground vibrations, 
and have certain kinds of teeth. So if dragonborns instead are reptiles, they would be cold-blooded instead of warm-blooded. So cold-blooded meaning depending on the sun for their body heat. They would not have mummery glands, so they do not nurse their young. And their legs, instead of from starting underneath their body, would start from the sides of their body. They would have a certain kind of skull structure, certain kinds of teeth, which are cone-shaped usually. And they can also hear vibrations in the air and the ground. And also, there are some really cool, fun facts about um, reptile bodies. Are you going to nerd out about reptiles right now? On yes, I, I, just, I found so many cool things about reptiles. Like, I, I'm just going to tell you reptile facts because I didn't have anything else to do with my research. So um, here you go. <laughs> yes, you did. Hashtag you reptile facts. <laughs> I choose to do reptile facts, okay? Give me this one thing. I will give you nothing, never, ever. Well, I'm going to do it anyway. So, male tortoises <laughs> and crocodilians both have just a single penis, but some snakes and lizards have hemipenis. <laughs> so that means they have a two-pronged penis. And I, I just want there to be a race out there, a lizard race, of or rather maybe maybe it's just the yuanti maybe the yuanti the male yuanti or oh the God. the <laughs> yuanti with peni i just want yuanti with peni a two pronged penis that's all i want <laughs> do you think there's a discussion board out there somewhere where people have actually discussed whether or not like any reptilian races like lizard folk or yuanti have pr- two pronged penises I mean, I don't know about that, but I do know for a fact that, like, the discussion about whether or not reptiles have boobs, that brought on the discussion of whether or not tortoises should have penises that are three-fourths of their <laughs> body size. Because if you're going to have, if you're going to be realistic and say that, okay, well, lizards don't have boobs, well, then lizards, or tortoises specifically, have penises that are three-fourths of their body size. So is that also then? Correct, because biologically speaking, if we're going to stick to facts, that is a fact. So, yeah, there are actual discussions like that. I don't specifically know about hemipedi, but uh, (laughs) I want there to be discussions about that. I think you're starting a discussion right now. (laughs) I think you are are becoming the catalyst. I mean, what what would you like to say to the class, Lissa? What would you like – what is your plea – specifically to me, to our listeners, and potentially to Wizards of the Coast who may or may not stumble upon this someday. I think we need to make in-depth lore for (laughs) the species in D&D. And I think that we should consider hemipenai for reptiles. Thank you. (laughs) So if you want to sign the petition, we'll have something up on change.org (laughs) forthwith. Actually, we might. I don't know. Should we do that? Uh, no, we should. Should we? No. Should we'll we? think about it. We'll think about it. We'll think about it. We'll think about it. I feel like the drow stuff and rewriting goddess and drow lore is maybe more important. But honestly, this might get. I mean, this might go viral, to be honest. Like, who who gives a shit about drow when you can have two pronged penises in <laughs> D&D lore canonically? I mean, what a better way to 
Okay, so hear me out. What about a way to take a race or a species that most people don't play, give it something like a hemipino, and then everybody will play that race? I swear to God. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Just so that everybody. they can say that they have a hemipino. I mean, I think everybody would be intrigued mm-hmm. or repulsed. Depends on the type of person, I think, and what their definition of what a fun fact is. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess. I mean, people I are entitled to their own opinion, but because they're, it's not your opinion. It's the wrong one, obviously. Mm-hmm. On Hemi Peni, yeah, mm-hmm. that checks out. Some more lizard facts. <laughs> I'm not done yet. Oh um, lizards also can reproduce asexually through something known as parthenogenesis. Parthenogenesis. And the only dragon in our world, the Komodo dragon, actually does this. So reproduces asexually. Good for them. Female lizards also reproduce by cloning themselves. And I think that's (laughs) feminist as fuck. Because we don't need no man. (laughs) That is a joke, but also it's not really a joke. (laughs) It's half joke, half kidding. Because I am a feminist. Half joke, half kidding? <laughs> Wait, no. Half joke, <laughs> half truth. <laughs> half joke, half truth or half full joke? joke. Half, you got to pick. Half joke, okay. half truth. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, fair enough. I would say that most jokes have a half truth in there. Always. Yeah. If we're talking about Dragonborn again. So if Dragonborn instead of being lizards slash reptiles, they are dinosaurs. They would be called theropods and would be the ancestors of birds today. Uh, this includes dinosaurs like T-Rexes and Velociraptors. They are, that means they are bipedal. They have hollows or thin bones and three main fingers or claws with two smaller ones and are probably non-mammalian. So probably not mammals because they probably did not suckle their young. This is based on the findings. Obviously, dinosaurs do not exist anymore. So we do not for sure know if they did. But based on their biological makeup and what scientists have been able to gather from them, they probably did not suckle their young or the theropods did not. And there are cases for both there be- them being cold and hot-blooded. So they could be either cold-blooded or hot-blooded or it's just unclear. Mm-hmm. So biologically speaking, those are the options for dragonborns. So mammal, reptile, or dinosaur. Yeah. So then we come to the discussion of dragonborn and whether or not they have titties. For aesthetic reasons. Now, the aesthetic reason for dragonborn tits, it's, it's also a biological reason, but there is a TV trope, actually, for... It's called Non-Mammal Mammaries. It lists a bunch of examples in comics, video games, in lore, and... Well, not lore, but in media that we can find examples of non-mammal mammaries, so non-mammals having boobs. So an example of non-mammal mammaries would include the Argonian race from Elder Scrolls, which is the lizard race. 
in the game. When you told me that, I did. I totally did not realize that they had boobs, and I had to double check. And they do, in fact, have boobs. They do have boobs. In fact, I believe I read that it was because of laziness, because they <laughs> because they have the same the same model for yeah for Khajiit and for I think humans, and then they just added things, added like a lay layover or like designs onto the same model and it's just easier to make an entirely new model for yeah like they they all have you have like the same body type for all of your player like so if you play a male character all the male races have the same semi-muscular body type Mm -hmm. um you can adjust it a little bit but it's it's not like that revolutionary it's not like the sims 4 where you can like you have sliders and you can kind of drag things around whereas and they all have the same underwear like all the men have like this (laughs) lowing cloth like underwear and then the women have just like this cloth bra and panties which is not historically accurate if you are going by anything like that (laughs) But it's, you know, it, it's what the player character has if they want to run around Skyrim with no armor. Mm. Because, unless you have mods, because, oh, nope, let's not get into what kind of mods are in Skyrim. <laughs> anyway, continue. I'm so sorry. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know because I've never played Skyrim. So, um, oh, after this, maybe, maybe after this, I'll inform you. <laughs> anyway, so aesthetically, tits on a lizard is an easy, Emphasis on the word easy. Visual cue for humans, and in, D- in the case of D&D, humanoids, to distinguish the feminine from the masculine. So you differentiate the male from the female, dragonborn. Even though there are other genders, and, like, that doesn't even make you, like, there's, it's, it's, not, it's not binary. Like... Can we just not binary full stop? I think we could. Yeah, we could safely say like it is our opinion and fact that gender is not binary. (laughs) But um, yeah, but we're we'll probably keep talking male versus female. And I think we've said this in a lot of episodes and that a lot of the stuff that we say and a lot of the ways that D&D specifically classifies things is there is a male and there is a female. And that's just yeah. the way the game mechanics are. Thankfully, 5th edition, I think, is starting to change that. I don't know if they've 100% moved everything over um, in terms of, you know, having a female versus male character. But um, that's just the way it, the game is designed. So if you ever hear us saying, like, male and female and all that stuff, it's just because that's what the game says, unfortunately. But yeah. hopefully, yeah. Gender is a spectrum. Come on, y'all. Get your head out of your ass. <laughs> <laughs> So, boobs are a sign of a female. It is a symbol of femininity, which stems from the real world, unfortunately, like all things, other, all other things in D&D, everything from the real world gets sucked into D&D and also becomes a problem, but it's not just a D&D problem. So, in the real world, boobs are a symbol of femininity. A big case for this is the example that I can give of Diana of Ephesus. I think that's how you say it. Ephesus? Ephesus. But Diana of Ephesus is a multi-tittied fertility goddess that, quote, nourishes all creatures and provides for them. So the boobs, spelled B-E-W-B-S, because boobs. 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 (laughs) Visually represent her femininity. 
She's also portrayed wearing a headdress and she has multiple tits. I can't remember the number, but it was a lot. They were all over her body. And she also has animals and birds because women and nature. Her being multi-tittied traces back to 133 BC from Ephesus and Trales. Trales? Trales. So something happened in 133 BC where they thought, hmm, we'll just put lots of tits on her to show her femininity and how she nourishes all people because mommy, sorry, mommy, sorry, mommy, sorry. So dragonborns have, may have tits for the reason of being symbolic to show their femininity. They could be to differentiate the female from the male, or they could be used by players themselves to represent their own femininity. But I think in terms of Wizards of the Coast and TSR, they have the control to determine what the design is for each race. And I think they have they have to make that decision. And they have to, as the owners of the trademarks, they essentially put out the content. And whatever they put out, if you don't like it, you don't have to play with it. And that's fine. So you can homebrew and say, if Wizards of the Coast says lizards don't have tits, that's fine. And if you want tits, you can go in your own game and you can give yourself tits because there is a case to be said that if you, because you are a human, presumably, if you're not, I don't know, alien or something else entirely, you, as a person with boobs in real life, you, it's a safe, it's a familiar thing to humans to play a character that has boobs. You know what it's like, you know what, how it feels, you know what problems come with it. You can identify with a person who has boobs. So if it makes it more real for you to play a character that also has boobs, go ahead. Go and play a lizard with boobs. And if you instead want to play like a more sci-fi version of D&D that is more based in realism where... Lizards don't have boobs, and it's more biologically correct, and tortoise people have three-fourths of their body size peni. Like, <laughs> just do it. Like, nobody is stopping you. Oh, God. They're, turtles <laughs> are a race in D&D. Why did you just... Why did... Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> did you not... Did you just realize that? Yes, I didn't. In, I mean, I knew turtles existed, but as soon as you just worded it like that, now I have. Now I'm picturing it, and I mean, I, again, I don't know how I feel about it, but the image is not going away. Like, if so that's your you. thing, if that's your thing, go and play go with a huge yeah. penis tortoise, tortoise, I whatever they're called, because I've never played one. Like, it's Neither it's nobody else's business other than the people in your group, but like. Just, just do it. Do what you want. As long as you're not hurting anybody. Like, as yeah. long as you're not offending anybody, as long as everybody is cool with it, 
at your table, I mean, really anything goes, honestly, as long as you have the right safety tools and stuff. But also like what you were saying about how it is on Wizards of the Coast to like have an official design, like they don't have the excuse that Bethesda does with the Elder Scrolls in that it makes it easier for rigging and it makes it easier for like the technical aspects of designing no, a video game. No, because they are in charge of the lore. This is they are yeah. literally creating lore and if they cannot do that, I don't know why we're paying them for these books. If they're literally <laughs> not putting effort into the lore because that's what they're doing or what they're supposed to do, why are we paying them? Why are we throwing money at them for content when they're not making it because they're being lazy? And putting boobs just so that we can differentiate female from male. To be fair, they do have lore about it, which I will get to later. But it was more of a reaction, I believe, to Mm. the controversy than it was them giving any forethought to why. Because as somebody who studied world building for my master's degree that I rarely use these days because (laughs) the panorama... I did a whole project on world building and one of the biggest questions you always have to ask on world building is why. Mm-hmm. Why is this like this? Why do people act like this? Why is this physical representation the way that it is? And while the players might necessarily, because there are so many books in d the players may not necessarily give a shit or they might not ever like look into it you as the creator needs to know the answers to those questions you need to know why and it it shouldn't be just because just you as the artist any artist will know that you as the artist has to be able to back up why you did a certain thing in a certain way yeah and if if somebody calls you out in your bullshit and it's just like well actually I never thought of it that way that's okay you're not perfect but you have to own up to that yeah. and I think at least Chris Chris Perkins did that and saying hey listen we just did this to differentiate like between male and female dragonborn that's at least like addressing it and saying hey listen we didn't actually think about this in that way mm-hmm. but now hopefully they do so just you know, be per- especially when you have such a big properly as D&D, people are going to ask these questions, especially when you're opening up your ho- the hobby to people who have boobs, whereas before you probably di- you probably weren't as welcoming, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. So they they'll have opinions on what's on their body being represented on different characters and stuff. So you got to be open to it. And I mean... Yeah, it's just so many layers. <laughs> just so many layers. My there head is so spinning. I think this is the most confused I've ever been in an episode. And not to say that, like, I mean, we've done our research, but like, it, it there's just so many different aspects. So if we're going to look at, and I'm going to just barely touch on this, looking at the furry slash scaly fandom, they do both. So they have. People dress up as, I should say, a version of lizards or reptilian creatures with tits. They have people who play without tits. And they also have people who have multi-boobage, which is, I guess, going with the biologically correct versions. 
in the case of, I guess, more mammals than lizards. Or, you know, you could have a lizard with multi-tits because who's going to police? Nobody's policing anyone here. So in the question of fantasy, D&D is as much fantasy as you and your group want it to be. And while D&D uses realism for believability and is somewhat founded in realism, there is that extra sparkle of magic that you could just put something in there and say, because magic. And is that lazy? Probably. But also, the fundamental question here is, where does the difference line, or where does the difference lie between fantasy and reality? So where do you draw the line? So Wizards of the Coast and TSR were and are in charge of humanoid designs. So how much of a humanoid do you make the character? And how much of other do you make the character? Are they always going to get it right? No. In the case of tieflings, did they say that tieflings were a certain color and not bright red? Uh, but did the population of players say that we absolutely want to just make bright red tieflings because reasons? Absolutely. And oh, then, that's a great example. Yeah. yeah. Because people, <laughs> exactly. pe- you, you're not always going to get it right and that's fine. That's okay. Because you don't know what people want until they tell you. And that's, it's a, it's a process. They, but you don't, you never know where is the line of two out there. Is it the lack of boobage? Is it the boobage? Is it, I don't know what the next thing's going to be. But there is a certain question that you have to think about when you think about these things. So like, as for me, I guess, what, as I'm forming my opinion, I just want to know that they're not catering to the male gaze, that they're not catering to horny teenagers anymore, that maybe TSR was catering to. So I want it not to be part of the male gaze, and I want it to not be lazy world building, because if it's lazy world building, you're missing a chance to explore how a different species might be drawn to like other things outside of boobs. Because not everyone likes boobs. And I think we need to wake up to that fact. And I know it's shocking to some people, (laughs) but it's true. Or just like they don't, they, it's not that maybe they don't like boobs. It's just they don't like seeing boobs on things that, that shouldn't have them. Because again, like dragonborn and reptiles, Argonians in, in the Elder Scrolls games, they are reptiles and they have boobs. It goes against that realism marker almost. Yeah. It goes against like what we know that they have. And some people kind of look at that like, huh, that's confusing. And then some people look at it and they're like, ha, boobs, nice. And then some people look at it and they don't care. Yeah. Like there are like so many different camps that you can fall in for multiple different reasons. And at the end of the day, if it's not hurting anybody, it's probably fine. Let's be real. Again, there are worse things out there. There are worse things in D&D lore. There are worse things that are out there in the world to, you know, bicker and banter about. But I think your point of the male gaze is super interesting because I didn't really think of it this way, but Dragonborn, I'll get to this more in my section, but Dragonborn are a product of third edition. So they are completely Wizards of the Coast. 
at least in far my research. Please correct me if I'm wrong if Dragonborn were ever mentioned in like second edition or AD&D, but I'm I'm pretty positive. They're basically an entire creation of Wizards of the Coast. So they don't have TSR. They don't have that marker of very early D&D of marketing towards a very specific audience, but you can still see it in Dragonborn. Dragonborn might be a really interesting case study of them taking TSR's old old tricks mm-hmm. and trying to use them and then realizing that they can't really use them anymore, which is a good thing because they're diversifying and they're opening up the doors to their hobby to different groups who weren't really welcome in the past. But they, you know, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. D&D mm-hmm. is an old property. So I think that's a really interesting point to and a really interesting lens to look at it. Like, are dragon boobs a are the only reason dragon boobs exist because of the male gaze and because if TSR were to make them, you know, a hundred, I couldn't say with absolute certainty if they were TSR's idea, of course they would have boobs. Of course I mean, they would. They TSR did other reptilian races. I know this for they a did. fact. We didn't yes, cover did. them on this episode, but we could possibly go in and cover certain races i don't know that they have boobs but i can guesstimate that they the females versions probably do and if not boobs they have like bikini armor or something or or something that reptiles probably don't have naturally but anyway so yeah no it's 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 just super interesting but would Dragonborn would this controversy have even happened if TSR weren't didn't rely so heavily on their all male gaze like while they were creating the game? I don't know. I don't know if it would. Maybe, maybe not. We may never know. May never know. Because it's not like we can ask. We don't have enough street cred for that. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag goals. Get enough street cred to be able to ask that question. To the people who might be able to answer it, like have an in-depth conversation with Chris Perkins or talk to somebody who used to work at TSR and be like, listen, would you have done dragon titties? We know the answer is yes, but we got to <laughs> hear it from you, you know? But yeah, that's really all I had for my section. It was good. A lot, bring up a lot of good points. Thank you. I try. I try so hard. You, you do try really hard. Proud of you. <laughs> Thanks, mom. <laughs> Don't stop. We can't use mom jokes anymore. It's not it's not right. <laughs> we can't do it. Not not after this episode. Not with the mommy sorries. I'm sorry. Can't. No. No, thank you. Anyway, I think it's time for um you to give us all of that good, juicy dragonborn lore. Sweet, sweet lore. Yes, sweet, absolutely. Sweet I will lore. give you some sweet, sweet lore. Some dragon, dragon boob lore. Hundred percent. Let's let's do it. Part three. <laughs> Part three. Dragonborn lore, aka me going off on dragonborn lore for half hour, and you all have to listen to it and like it. But it's relevant. I promise. It, it's it's basically what I looked into as to the the answer of why. Like why would Wizards of the Coast put boobies 
on dragons. Lissa covered the more big overarching questions and I looked into what about like what is written in the lore that might justify them having more humanoid proportions, I guess. There are a couple of reasons, mayhaps, that I will get into, but um, overall, it's for everybody else to kind of be their own judge because since Wizards of the Coast never really came out with a statement saying we definitively did this or we definitively rewrote this lore or wrote part of this lore to justify this, can't really say for sure, but this is basically my version of trying to answer why and um, hopefully we'll come to some sort of conclusion because again my head's still spinning through this whole topic I still don't know what to think how about you Alyssa are you any closer to an answer on what to think about this entire controversy and this whole situation on dragon boobs dragonborn boobs I mean I have thoughts and I have opinions do I know why dragonborns have boobs and do I know whether or not I would tell Wizards of the Coast to put or take away boobs from Dragonborns? No. The answer is no. I, I have no idea. <laughs> yet. Yet. I have no idea yet. Maybe by the end yet. of this episode, I will have a confirmed uh, <laughs> official answer. I feel like that's our thesis state. Like, we don't even have a thesis statement for this episode. Our thesis is just a question of what are our opinions on this? Because we have no idea. <laughs> We are just as confused as the next person. I just think it it's so indicative. I mean, usually we go into episodes and we know exactly like what our opinions are and we know if this is right or wrong. This one, I think, is the first time that I've ever gone into an episode researching and recording. And I'm just like, you know what? I really don't know. And I feel like that's that's kind of indicative of the whole situation because the Internet also doesn't have a consensus either. And I think that's one of the explanations of why we keep seeing dragon-born um, boobs and lizard tits and yeah. Titty Gate 2021 keep coming back because there is no right answer. There's just different answers. And mm -hmm. it's going to keep yo-yoing around until the end of time until something happens. <laughs> so... Here is my my own version of lore context to kind of give everybody a bigger picture of dra how Dragonborn exists within the world of Dungeons and Dragons. So um, we're going to start with third edition because according to my research, that's when the Dragonborn race, like a, as a playable race, was first introduced. So it's a Wizards of the Coast creation, or at least they published it on when they had the IP. Who knows if maybe TSR had the idea for Dragonborn and then they didn't get a chance to use it until Wizards obtained the intellectual property. No idea. But it was first published, at least as far as I could find, when Wizards had all of that jazz. So they were introduced in a book in 2006 called Races of the Dragonborn. This was in 3.5. So this is around the time the fourth edition was being created, but I believe before it was officially announced. So the basic lore is dragonborn are not born, they are created. 
which was the biggest just like, you know, the meme or no, it's a gif. It's like a gif of um, the older guy just like putting his hands to his temples and just a bunch of fireworks go out like his mind is blown into fireworks. That was me when I read that because I just assumed incorrectly that Dragonborn procreate just like any other race in Dungeons and Dragons that we've researched so far. But that is incorrect. They are actually created. They are created by the god Bahamut, who is a dragon-appearing god, and he picks out chosen ones of any race. So you can start out your life as an elf, as a human, as a halfling, as a gnome, as a kobold, as whatever you want. And you, if you hear Bahamut's calling in 3.5, you can become dragonborn. If you hear the call, you don't necessarily have to answer it. But if you do answer, you perform this really in-depth, very specific ceremony where you have to meditate for 24 hours and you create an egg to hibernate for 24 hours and be reborn into a dragonborn. And when you do this, you basically wash away your old racial identity, both mechanically and figuratively and spiritually, however you want to look at it. As a little side note, a little fun fact, because I couldn't resist mentioning rhetoric in any episode. So if anybody plays a drinking game, when they listen to our episodes tied to me saying rhetoric, take a shot, because I naturally found (laughs) another place to put it in here. The whole section on Dragonborn is written with she, her pronouns, which is something that 3.5 does, is that they change between he, him, and she, her pronouns when talking specifically about races, they're not gender neutral. They just do a bunch of illustrations that are either male presenting or female presenting. And then all of their descriptions, all of their lore is written in accordance to the pictures, the main pictures that they have. It's kind of confusing, but that's just the way they do it. And they do it somewhat equally between the different pronouns. It's just kind of a kind of jarring when you're not used to it. But I thought it was worth pointing out because one, I didn't expect it because Dragonborn, up until now, I always associated Dragonborn with more the only people I knew who played Dragonborn were men. It was like they were more drawn to that race. I hadn't met a lot of women or um non-binaries or anybody who played Dragonborn. So it was kind of refreshing, but also it came with this weird undertone because there is this sentence in there that described the ceremony, the 24 hours of meditation and the 24 hours inside your own egg, where there's this sentence that says that the woman is dressed in a loose linen shift. She spends a full day and night fasting and meditating upon her choice. So I just, I thought that was kind of weird because... You know what a shift is. Like it's just a piece of fabric that you wear. Um, that's basically a undergarment. And the fact that they put that in there with she, her pronouns kind of gave me the ick. It might be very nitpicky, but I felt it was worth mentioning just because I wanted to. <laughs> I wanted to mention it. And it, remind, it reminds me of that trope that you see in a lot of sci-fi where, uh, what is it? I think it's, oh my gosh, there's this really famous sci-fi movie that it's, it, I'm blanking, but the woman has like 
orange hair and she's dressed in really tight-fitting clothes. I think it's Blade Runner or something. And she comes out and she's like completely naked, like of the inside this science fiction like capsule. Or if you've ever seen the show Firefly or Serenity, um, River, the girl character River, she is inside this pod and she comes out completely naked. Like she was in, like they're in like these egg-like, egg-like objects and they come out and they're like reborn and they're rebirthed. I don't know. It was just, it was weird to me. I, I, I didn't like how that was described. More nitpicky on my part, but I don't know. Once you are reborn a dragonborn, as I said before, you forgo all of your pace rash, all of your past racial identities, and basically your entire personality, your entire mission, everything about you is dedicated to defeating the evil dragon deity Tiamat. Was your character's goal to become king? No, you can't do that anymore. You're serving Bahamut. You got to defeat Tiamat. Did you just want to settle down, have a farm, have a family? Nope, got to serve Tiamat. <laughs> like if you're a dragonborn, you absolutely have to do this. It is written like in the lore. And when I read that, it gave me a lot more perspective on maybe why players who used to play 3.5 a lot don't like a lot of the changes that 5th edition is making, you know, with all of the um, open-endedness and stuff. Like, they're taking away alignments, like the emphasis on alignments, and they're taking away certain restrictions. Like, if this is how an entire race of people is described, like, you have to play this way if you play a dragonborn... I can kind of see where that comes from now because it's like the whole point. I mean, I mean that and according to the internet, a quick Google will tell you that the racial traits for dragonborns are plus four strength, plus two constitution, and plus two charisma. So it is a strength-based character, mm -hmm. which is going to appeal more to male players who are picking for who would more likely play in the style and even so like if you're trying to create like a fighter or a melee character that has a background that gives you an advantage to fight mm -hmm. then um yeah dragonborn is the way to go for 3.5 anyway yeah 100 percent. and i think they have this thing in 3.5 where it's like preferred classes or something where it's like recommendations that are in the player's handbook like oh, hey, yeah. if you play a dragonborn you might want to play these sorcerer classes. or warrior is for dragonborn for 3.5 they do not encourage you to play any sort of magic caster at all they they recommend oh, really? pal yeah they recommend paladin or uh fighter yeah. i think sorcerer came in fourth edition and later for sure which is weird because when you think about it if you think about the fifth edition dragonborn they have innate breath weapons. They have bonuses to spell casting. You see a lot of dragonborn sorcerers now. It's actually almost a cliche in 5th edition is you see more dragonborn sorcerers, I think, than any other dragonborn combination. So hmm. a lot of people, maybe they do that. Maybe it's a cliche now because of this, because they basically tell you in the book, like, don't 
you can pl- they don't necessarily say don't play it, but they recommend you play martial classes with Dragonborn. Mm. Along with what you said about the abilities as well, there's just there's a lot of bonuses to playing a Dragonborn in th- 3.5. Like you forgo a lot of your racial identity, but you you ke- you get a lot of bonus stats to it and you also get to keep a lot of your stats as well. But the, you know, the big thing is you give up your past life in service of Bahamut. I believe it was you when we were doing our research that brought up one of the arguments or one of the points that somebody was making on one of the, um, like on Endworld or something for dragon boobs was that the reason they canonically could have dragon boobs was because of this. Like they could be a female let's say a female dwarf or a female elf or a female human or somebody who has boobs and if you become a dragonborn you keep the boobs when you transform was that right it was something mm. like that right i think so yeah which i when you said that to me it didn't really ring 100% true because i believe where did i write it down Yeah, so the thing reads, in 3.5, they had an excuse. Dragonborn were created by magical religious ritual from humanoid volunteers who kept attributes from what they used to be after being transformed. So a dwarf would become a short and stocky dragonborn, and a female would usually have two visible bumps on the upper part of the torso. This was changed to dragonborn being a proper race of their own in 4E, but they still, quote, kept the humanoids modified to look draconic appearance including the mammary endowed females don't like the way that last thing read but yeah so (laughs) i it's that it's like a yes and a no because when i read through this section in this book specifically the races of the dragon races of the dragonborn apologies i didn't see anything about females keeping two visible bumps on the upper part of the torso that that doesn't exist in the book at all um it does say that you if it does have picture examples of like really dimly tiny like maybe dwarven like former dwarven or um former gnome dragonborns which are freaking adorable their designs are cute as heck and i just love the image of just this vengeful paladin dragonborn but they are like under four feet and they just like hack away at you with their like axe. However, I didn't see anything in the rhetoric, like in any of the actual written words that said that if you had boobs when you were a race before, you have boobs later. But they do say is that you grow slightly taller and thicker, (laughs) but you uh, keep your overall like size. Uh, You retain a powerful build if you had it before, but you lose basically all your other racial traits. You could interpret, quote, keeping your overall size as it. And there are also pictures and examples of Dragonborn with boobs in this book. There are dragon boob pictures. So you could infer it, but there's nothing that explicitly states that you keep the appearance of your boobs. Nothing about any reproductive Mm. organs nothing like that so i don't know if that you could you could infer it it could be a possible explanation but it's not explicit yeah so also on 
top of that. So your appearance, I looked for any markers like in the appearance section of having titties. Nope. Nope. It's just they are described as noble and draconic. They are slightly bigger than other races. So slightly taller, slightly stockier. And they give the impression of virtuous purpose. Now, this gave me the impression, and Lisa and I have talked on this podcast before, about divinity, original sin, (laughs) too, which we play a lot. And it reminds me of a character there called the Red Prince. If you've ever played Divinity Original Sin 2 and you've ever played as or traveled with the Red Prince, that's exactly what a 3.5 Dragonborn is, like 280. Just they are very proud of themselves. They are very egotistical and they are, you know, burdened with glorious purpose, you know, Mm. Loki style. Another point that I felt like mentioning, so I'll mention this one first because I don't really have too much to say about it, but it's fun fact. There is a section on love um, and like relationships and they state that dragonborns retain their sexual characteristics, but they are essentially asexual. So some people, some dragonborns partake in a sexy times. But it's definitely not common and it's not for usual reasons. Um, They are also stated to be sterile, which makes sense because they are born. They are they are not born. They are created. So you can see the titties. You can see the dragon boobs, the dragonborn boobs. But you can't touch because they're canonically asexual, which I have my own personal feelings on defining sexuality of an entire race. To be quite honest, you have the same opinions. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, it's it's kind of like making a whole race evil. Like, mm? yeah, it it it's it's not great. I don't I don't agree with it. I can almost overlook the all dragonborn are burdened with glorious purpose stereotype, but I don't know if I can overlook defining an entire race's sexuality. That's kind of odd. Making them sterile is one thing. I've seen that before in video games. You know, you have the genophage in um, your genophage in Mass Effect where an entire race was made sterile as a war tactic. Um, and that's written in their lore. But sexuality is iffy. I thought it was worth mentioning, one, to just point out the ick. And two, because I find it almost ironic that they have these pictures of dragon boobs six specifically in this book i counted there are six (laughs) ranging from boob plate to general cleavage but you you can look at the dragon boobies the dragonborn boobies but you cannot touch the dragon boobies just found that kind of ironic and then just one more thing as a side note worth mentioning they have a whole ass section on grooming habits of dragonborn it's weird i don't (laughs) I just found that kind of odd, but I'm like, okay, I guess you can have an entire section on grooming. I guess that can be a a thing. And I looked into it and there are a bunch of different books that go very in depth into races, like racial lore and appearances and all that fun stuff for basically all the races you can play in 3.5. So there are books called The Races of Destiny, The Races of the Stone, and Races of the Wild. And they detail basically any race that isn't human. Um, and they all have, or most of them, have grooming sections. 
And by most, I mean dwarves, gnomes, halflings, and elves all have grooming sections. But them, along with the dragonborn, basically all the grooming section says is that they're they're clean. Don't worry about it. What do you mean? What do you mean clean? They clean themselves. They take okay. their hygiene very seriously. What do you think that means, Lissa? I want your opinions on this. Because I have my own opinions, but I'm curious after hearing that. they that. take their hygiene seriously? Mm-hmm. That all these non-human races specifically take their hygiene very seriously. That human races are disgusting and don't take their <laughs> hygiene seriously? I mean, that's what I'm getting from that. I don't know. I don't know if reptiles in general are very clean. Like I generally, do, I genuinely don't know if reptiles are clean. But then I'm, I'm thinking of dragons, and I'm thinking of being better, or like the stereotype of being better than anyone else. Th- then yeah, I guess being clean goes into that but it's it's weird also why is it weird because they don't say how they keep clean I'm, I'm not sure oh they do oh do they i i didn't take super detailed notes about how they clean themselves but they, they, they it's an entire section basically like oh like i think dwarves or gnomes Maybe it's halflings. One of one of the shorter races. I don't remember why. I remember it was a shorter race. One of those races, um, they're traveling merchants, and they make it a point to say, even though they're traveling on the road and they can get super dusty, they still make it a point to carry around big buckets and really and water skins so that they can bathe themselves regularly. So don't worry, they're not stinky, basically. Mm. which just it was just weird I I think one I like your interpretation a lot better <laughs> I like <laughs> that uh it just infers that humans are stinky <laughs> and that is now my new headcanon any campaign if I ever play a human NPC or if there is a um human NPC PC that I play with as a player they're just stinky by default I love that. My interpretation was a lot worse in terms of I'm apparently just a pessimist. And I kind of took it as so there are a couple other races that are talked about in those books and races of the wild and races of destiny and all that. So Goliaths and Raptorians, which I think are just raptor like player options, they have no section on grooming. So they don't even say, oh, they're bad at grooming or they don't, you know. And I – it just – it was inconsistent first off, so that bothered me. And secondly, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way that dwarves, gnomes, halflings, and elves, they are the more, quote, human-appearing races – and they made a point to say that they are very clean and everything, but all of the ones that – are not as human appearing just aren't allotted that same attention and it 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 just it just made me think of like like human superiority kind of or like humanoid superiority 
and how humanoid creatures are well yeah it is it is biased for the races that are similar to us in their build and that are like fundamentally also classic sort of fantasy species or races that you know have gone through time whereas dragonborns i think is a more new race so they're not treating it with the same same respect or in the same way because it's it's the other mm-hmm. it's so far from human that they have to go into the lore of the other and then give it this realism at which point they either don't give it enough lore and kind of just glaze over it or give it too much lore and give strict rules that you have to make them in order to make them quote-unquote real, which is they have to be asexual and they have to be, like, have impeccable grooming methods. Whereas, eh, a halfling, you know, you know what halflings are anyway, so why would we need to tell you how to make a halfling? Because... It would have been one thing if it was maybe just one race that had a grooming section, but it was it's so many of them. It is dragonborn, it is dwarves, gnomes, halflings, and elves, which I would argue, I don't know. It's just, it, it's such a weird detail that I, I want to know whose idea it was. <laughs> like, who thought, here, let's have a whole section about how elves groom themselves. Like, I love elves, and I find that a bit strange. <laughs> personally I don't know that was like a weird tangent that I went on but I just felt it was worth mentioning because I just felt like some kind of weird strange undercurrent in of exactly that of just like this bias and I've noticed just throughout different editions of D&D that um races that are less humanoid are treated with not as much detail or not as much care there could be many explanations for that some of which could be I don't know some I'm sure there's some sort of undercurrent of racism or favoritism in there but it was just it's weird it it sent me on this weird tangent when I was just looking into dragonborns just opened up this whole other can of worms so I thought it was worth mentioning because if I have to know this information so do you (laughs) that's that's my thinking it's the rule it's the rule if we just like Lissa had to go on her tangent about reptiles I have to go on my tangent about weird fantasy grooming habits. <laughs> um, but that's that's about it for third edition. So moving on to fourth edition. So I looked for fourth edition, I looked at two books. So I looked at the player's handbook and something called Player's Handbook Races Colon Dragonborn, which is a supplement. And it just goes into a bunch of lore detail about Dragonborn, as you would expect. So Player's Handbook doesn't really have a whole heck of a lot. It just gives you a physical description, which is what I was looking for. Again, looking for any canonical or any reasons ever to have Dragonborn boobies. There's nothing. There's no description of them. They are... Described as humanoid dragons, which 
humanoid, I think, is the word of import there. Because I don't think I've ever seen them described up till this point as humanoid. And they are also described as, you know, scaly hide, no tails in this edition, that kind of stuff. But there was there were two pictures of dragon boobs. So they there there were female dragonborn in the fourth edition player's handbook. Um, one of which is boob plate. Actually, no, I think both of them were boob plate. One of them is on the page where the dragonborn race is. So there's the uh, female dragonborn and the male dragonborn. And I believe the other one is a picture of a dragonborn female warrior in the middle of like an action pose. And she's also wearing boob plate. But nothing in the text does it say anything about dragonborn boobies. Where it gets a bit more detailed is in Player's Handbook Races Dragonborn, which was published in 2010, and it goes hella deep into lore. So by fourth edition, they basically did away with a lot of the stuff lore-wise that they did with Dragonborn in 3.5. And what I mean by that is they, they made all of the Dragonborn lore into legends, So there is a legend that dragonborn were once created and not born. Um, There's also a legend that they were the first race to ever exist on the plane. And that's the kind of dragonborn lore that there is in 4th edition. Just a bunch of different legends that different dragonborns believe in, giving so much more (laughs) wiggle room to anybody who wants to play a dragonborn. You aren't just married to the concept of being eternally devoted to Bahamut or maybe even Tiamat if you are a evil aligned dragonborn, Tiamat being the evil dragon goddess. But what is set in stone with dragonborn lore is that um, they are the heirs of a shattered empire and they still have a lot of their roots in war, so they kept that aspect and they are specifically said to be more likely to take a side if ever a war were to break out. There's not much on their appearance, nothing that wasn't already stated in the player's handbook. There are no dragon titties. Not one image. Not one. I looked at the whole book. There wasn't one. So by 2010, no dragon boobies. I was shooketh. Shocking. (gasps) I know, right? Shocking. There's also nothing on grooming. So (gasps) yay. (laughs) It's just a one-off, just a one instance of it. So that was really good. Yeah. Very exciting. But that's where the good news ends because here's the point in my research where Uh, I found what I was looking for. (laughs) You uh you sense the tone of shift in my voice. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. So in Player's Handbook Races Dragonborn, they do – they have sources. So they list two sources – I forget what the other one is, honestly, um, because I was very hyper-focused on one of the two sources, which is a Dragon Magazine article, Dragon Magazine number 365, an article called The Ecology of the Dragonborn. And they specifically cite this article as like all this information that we're telling you now in this fourth edition book in 2010, a lot of this information was obtained from a 2008 Dragon Magazine article, which... No tea, no shade. Recycle your content. If it's good content and you don't have to do work, that's fine. You can absolutely do that. But I was really curious. So I'm like, okay, let me read this article. 
<sighs> oh boy. <laughs> where do I even start? Um, so I wrote in my notes, this is where it gets juicy. <laughs> um, and I don't really know what I meant by juicy because really this is where I lost my marbles, I think is really what I should have said. So this article came out two years before the Dragonborn, like Player's Handbook Dragonborn supplement. And it's written by a writer and game designer named Chris Sims. He worked for Wizards of the Coast in multiple different roles from 2003 to 2015. And this article goes into so much depth about Dragonborn. A lot about their culture and about, you know, the roles of Bahamut and Tiamat, how they have evolved throughout the years. Honestly, overall, it's a really fascinating article. If you ever want to learn more about Dragonborn, I do recommend reading it. It's very well written, very in educational if you want to educate yourself on Dragonborn and Dragonborn culture. I really enjoyed reading it until <laughs> one specific section <laughs> called Physiology. And um, this, is, this is where it gets fun. This is where it gets fun. So first, it describes Dragonborn as tall and strapping compared to humans but the basic shape is the same so that's where you kind of get the humanoid appearance not sure how i feel about the word strapping not sure how i feel about it because you you know you you hear the word strapping you think oh it's a strapping young man or strapping young lady i don't know i don't know why i don't like it it's probably just a personal preference and <laughs> despite a passing resemblance to reptilian creatures Dragonborn are warm-blooded beings rather than cold-blooded reptiles. So um, remember how this entire episode we were calling Dragonborn reptilian-like? Well, apparently, according to this Dragon Magazine article, that is incorrect. They are not reptiles. Which makes no logical sense <laughs> to me, personally. <laughs> like, what? what else are they? What else are they? I don't, I couldn't wrap my head around that. Um, so I guess I get, because when you did mention before in your section, Lissa, about, you know, mm -hmm. mammals being warm-blooded and reptiles being cold-blooded. And the reason reptiles are cold-blooded is because they get their heat from their usually naturally warm climate. So I guess I understand to a certain extent because, you know, we've done a lot of research on the Forgotten Realms and a couple of other settings in D&D. They're not desert settings, right? Would you say? They're not. No. They might have desert areas, but they're not desert settings. So I guess in that aspect, I understand better now. I didn't before, but now that you explained it like that, I understand a bit more. But I still don't like the fact that they say they're not reptiles. I don't like it at all. But here is my favorite section. Like true dragons, however, dragonborn hatch from eggs, usually laid singly, which is a weird word, or more rarely in a pair. Hatchlings are quickly capable of standing and walking, but their teeth take a few months to come in. During this time, the mother nurses her offspring. She slowly weans the child to soft than normal food, which for dragonborn is usually more meat other than edibles. So, um... Mammal that lays eggs. Mm-hmm. Where does that sound familiar? Uh, it's a monodram. 
It is a monotrem. Ten points to what house are you? <laughs> Slytherin. Uh, Ten points to Slytherin. Supposedly Slytherin. <laughs> Ten points to Slytherin. <laughs> yes, they. Uh, that is a description of a monotrem, which. Lissa briefly talked about earlier, so I won't get too much into depth with what they are. But this is when she said Charday is going to talk about this later. This is what she meant. This specific Dragon Magazine paragraph is how monotrems <laughs> are connected to Dragonborn. So monotrems, they're a type of mammal. They lay eggs instead of a live birth, but the babies still nurse. In other words, all of these monotrem examples that Lissa gave, none of them had scales, right? No, echidna and platypus don't have scales, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they have like, they're like spiny anteaters is how I, because I had to look up what an echidna was. They're like spiny ant anteaters or spindly. Spiky? Spiky. Spindly? Spiky. Spiky is probably a better word. In other words, the monotrems that we know, they don't have scales, so they're not really reptilian in the way that Dragonborn are reptilian. And none of them have boobies. Monotremes don't have mm -hmm. boobs. They have something called, they have mammary glands, but they don't have boobs. They, they're yeah. young instead latch onto um, their glands, which are usually attached to hairs on their body. And that's how they feed. So they feed from mammary hairs and not boobs. So... When I read this section initially, I'm like, oh, okay. So they're saying the only reason that Dragonborn have boobs, this is how I'm reading it. They obviously didn't explicitly said, say that. But how I'm reading it, Dragonborns have boobs because they breastfeed their young. But if they are monotrams and they are born in, uh, with eggs but they also nurse, monotrems don't have boobs. So like we're, the, the logic doesn't make sense, Lissa. It just doesn't make sense. And I started to lose my mind yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> so, okay. So biologically, dragonborns do not make sense. But so when you were talking about them, whether or not they were reptiles and how it didn't make sense for you to, for them to not be reptiles because they are warm-blooded. Mm -hmm. But my counter-argument to that is because they breathe fire? Like, they can't... Like, I don't... I can't see them being cold-blooded because oh. they breathe fire. Well. They have fire within them, so they have to be warm in order to create, like, you can't ignite a spark from just coldness. Like, that's not, that's not going to work in my brain. So, like, them, biologically, they make no sense. Just, that's just, like, if no ifs, ands, or buts. But it, even if they are rep, I, even if they are not reptiles, but have scales, but also are warm-blooded, like, they breathe fire. So where mm. there has to be some sort of chemical process that creates the fire and also maybe keeps them warm inside. So maybe, maybe they are not lizards, but they have scales, but are warm-blooded because they 
have the fire within them? Question mark? I mean, that could definitely be an explanation. It's not explicitly said, but it could be interpreted that way. Definitely. I think that's a very interesting way to look at it, for sure. I just, I think my biggest problem with it is it's just, it's so sloppy. Like the logic of how they're trying to explain the biology of dragonborns is sloppy. They are saying that they look like reptiles, but they're not reptiles. They're saying in so many words that they're monotrems, but they don't behave like monotrems like we know. So they're using all of these different real life cues that we should know Mm -hmm. from our education on this planet. And they're twisting them, but they're doing it in such a sloppy way that even if you do explain it, it doesn't make sense. So they're using the concept of monotrems, but they're not sticking to the concept of monotrems. They're using they're saying they look like a reptile, but they're not, even though the climate of Forgotten Realms could is theoretically like our climate. So they should. It's just it's I don't even know. I feel like I'm that always sunny in Philadelphia gif where I'm just like waving my arms in front of a like huge board of just connect the dots between different newspaper clippings like it's well I mean there's also there's also the difference of if we take a look at dragons just in general and just disregarding the fact that these are dragonborns but if we take a look at dragon dragons in general there is a difference between an a dragon or the concept of a dragon in different cultures. So a mm-hmm. dragon in Asia, I would say, is more reptilian than a Western dragon is because a dragon in Asia is just like a long snaky boy with legs coming out from all sides. Whereas the dragon in the Western culture is more of a a mix between... Like if you mixed, if you made um, a reptile and evolved it to be more of a dinosaur sort of thing, mm-hmm. because maybe they're just the dinosaur version. Which what what did I what did I call them? What were they called? <laughs> Something pod. Something pod. Theropod. Maybe they're just theropods. Like we don't know if they're hot or cold blooded. We don't know if they suckled their young maybe they did maybe they didn't i don't know but but there's like there's cases for i guess both but also this is a magical reality where they are living so you you can technically i i don't like it but you can just pick and choose what you like and mix you absolutely No, absolutely you can. Yeah, I, sorry, I don't mean to say, like, you can, like, the whole premise of world building is just you can pick and choose what you want from culture, from your own imagination, from your own life, from other things. Building a world is hard. You have to take inspiration from somewhere. 100% get that. But there still has to be some logic to it. And even if you flip that logic, you have to do it in a way that is, how do I say this without being a dick? Say it anyway. Smarter. You have to do it smarter. <laughs> you have to do it. You have to do it in a way, and you have to do it in a way that just when when somebody pokes at it, it doesn't all fall apart. 
because mm. you can say that dragonborn are inspired by monotrems and just go just roll with it say that yeah dragonborns are like monotrems don't give them titties mm-hmm. then they would be very similar to monotrems or say that they are not reptilian or they are cold-blooded and just explain it more i don't i don't really know how to how else yeah, to put but- it but also, this was created by a company outside of themselves, by people outside of themselves, and they're just picking up whatever's left of whatever was created and trying to go with it. So I I mean, I understand yeah. it's very difficult to pick up the pieces of what, what the fuck was TSR and what they made of what they made. I mean, you know, like, what they made was fundamentally, like, the basic concept of what we play today and you know like credit given where credit is due but also for in this modern time you know it is a bit outdated material there's nothing wrong with playing that material if that's your jam but for the modern audience you do have to morph it into something that is more equipable to people who play in the modern time and i think that's where this comes in is it it's just hard <laughs> it's a hard job and there is no right answer and it's hard to keep it's it's hard to keep it all straight right but also dragonborn are created i believe by wizards of the coast so they don't have they they don't even have the excuse of well TSR created this thing and now we have to pick up the pieces because it doesn't make sense. What I think is the more believable version of events is that they they some some artist or some some person made the decision at Wizards on some creative team that in order to visually distinguish the two different dragonborn genders that they were going to put into the book, in order to do that visually, one had to have breasts and one didn't have to have breasts so that people could very easily distinguish them. And then people started poking holes in that and people started asking questions about that. And so what ended up happening was that when people started poking holes into it, they're like, oh, shit, we have to come up with an explanation as to why this isn't our lore. People expect it because D&D has a reputation for having a bunch of lore and having having those explanations. But the fact that they didn't have them for this specific instance, that means that they they just had to scramble and they just felt the need to that's why I, I'm hypothesizing that this was a response. Like this was a response to the dragon boob controversy when they couldn't put out a public statement because what else could they do other than, you know, affect their lore and try to pick up the pieces? And I think even the dates line up so the player so the let me just look up in my notes so around 2007 is when it was announced at gen con and uh, when 4e was announced at gen con and when i'm 
again, I have to theorize on a lot of this stuff because it's not confirmed when this original Dragon Boo picture came out. But that was in 2007. The Ecology of the Dragon Board came out in 2008. So that was a year later. So they had a year to come up with this lore and try to explain themselves. In my opinion, I think that's what happened. They were just rushing to be like, oh, yeah, we drew a dragon born with boobs and we didn't want to admit at this time that we just did it as a visual thing and we didn't think about it. Uh, Here you go. Here's this Dragon Magazine article. Have at it. Have fun. This is our explanation as to why. And then they didn't put much thought into it other than that, I guess. And maybe that's why it's just a little bit sloppy. I know that's my theory. Also, I think there is something to be said that maybe they didn't think that it would go as far Mm -hmm. in players' minds as to pick it apart and be like, wait, this doesn't make sense. Maybe they didn't realize that if they just gloss over it with some, you know, paint, that it's kind of sloppy, but, you know, it does the job, Mm -hmm. that maybe that the players who are actually using the material are going to be so, I don't know, devoted to the game and wanting, like, the lore and the depth and for things to make sense and questioning when lizards have breasts or when lizards don't have breasts and being so up at arms when either case happens. Yeah, I I think nobody can ever predict that. No creator can ever predict that. And I I would equate it to like a writer who or a fantasy writer of traditional like novels writes a story and maybe they have a plot hole in it that they they and their editors just flat out did not catch. That is completely normal. That's nothing to discredit the author or the editing team for. Those things happen all the time. It's just part of the creative process. But when you have enough fans and you have enough people looking at your work, they're going to poke holes in it and they're going to find something that you didn't think of because nobody's perfect. And I think that's a good note to end on with that specific part of, you know, all of my lore stuff that I found. Like nobody's perfect. We can rant about this. We can say it doesn't make sense. But at the end of the day, honestly, I understand how hard world building is. I understand how hard it is to explain some of this stuff, especially if you are basically doing it in my theory to address a controversy that you didn't expect from people to react like dragon boobs. Nobody expected it, I'm sure. I don't necessarily fault them too much, but I still think it's lazy. (laughs) I still think it's lazy. But for anyone who was curious, there is that is the canonical explanation in fourth edition, at least, up until that point in the D&D mythology as to why dragonborns had boobs up till that point. In fifth edition, they do not have boobs. Um, I didn't look into fifth edition lore because, frankly, I did not have the time. And by this point, I was, as I said before, losing my marbles. So I'm, I'm content with knowing that, at least in fifth edition, they don't have them. I don't know what the dragon... I don't know if dragonborns are still monotremes in fifth edition. That'll be a... An excursion for another day, I guess. I have one more thing to talk about in this section, but we're already super long, so I'll try to go through it as quickly as possible, unless, Lisa, you have any more things to say about your analysis of the lore. Nope, I'm done. Okay. (laughs) So the last thing I looked into 
was just a, I just wanted to answer a question that I had. Because when I was looking at all of these instances of dragon boobs, and I think what I'll do is maybe I'll put together a, a document or a collage or something so I can, I'll show all of the um, dragon boob pictures that I found throughout all the editions. There were many of them uh, throughout three, third and fourth edition. But I kept noticing familiar uh, signatures next to the drawings. So a lot of the same artists were working on these things. And because I believe that the dragon boob controversy happened starting with art before lore, because as I said before, up until like that 2008 article, nothing in, especially nothing in third edition ever pointed to the fact that dragons had boobs for a biological reason. I think it maybe was, I don't want to say the fault of an artist, but it was the decision of an artist at first to visually distinguish or like an art team. So I wanted to see if I could get to the bottom of who done it, a slovenly sleuth. I went on a deep dive hole <laughs> of slovenly sleuthing to see if I could figure out who did it. And um, I don't know, <laughs> which sucks because I, I hit a lot of dead ends. But I do have some theories that I'd like to share. So in 3.5, one of the artists, Emily, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, Emily. I'm going to butcher your last name. Emily Feigensha, she has a blog. So bless her and the one other artist that I found who also had a blog. She credits Todd Lockwood for helping define the look for characters and creatures of the third edition of Dungeons and Dragons. Now, you might recognize the name Todd Lockwood. Lissa, do you recognize the name Todd Lockwood? Um, I do now. I did not when you told it to me the first time. <laughs> what, who, who is Todd Lockwood then? Who, who is Todd Lockwood now that you know who he is? He... Hold on. Who was he? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Got it, got it. He made the... Um, or made. He drew designed the cover for the the woman who's who um Joaquin Joaquin eating Joaquin being kidnapped by the um demon in the demon lair who's sitting at the table with all the demons eating fleshy bits and eyeballs and things and her torn white what what's that it's the cover for um for duty and deity. Duty and deity. There we go. Yeah. So he exactly. Yep. He drew the cover of what we opened our art episode on. The cover for mm. duty and deity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Lissa did a wonderful um visual or verbal description of that cover of Joaquin. That was him. He drew that. So I thought that was a hashtag fun fact. And according to Emily, because I don't want to butcher her last name again. His dragon designs in particular are equally sleek and powerful, visualizing a classic mythological creature with majesty and realism. Those of us who worked on illustrations for 3rd and 3.5 edition D&D became well acquainted with his drawings as we referred to the high standards set by Todd when we made our own dragon images. So Emily is credited with two of the dragon boob pictures that I found in Races of the Dragon. So here she is directly saying that a, any dragon picture that she drew was inspired by Todd Lockwood. She does not say dragonborn specifically, but she does say dragon pictures. 
So mayhaps, mayhaps Todd Lockwood had a hand in it. And then another person, another artist that I found, the only other artist that I found with the blog, <laughs> this, his name is William O'Connor, and he's the person who drew the infamous dragon boob image that was released um, as promo that started this whole thing. So when I found his blog, oh my God, I thought I hit the gold mine because I thought he was going to talk about his whole process, about how he, you know, wanted to distinguish the two different genders and all this stuff and basically back up everything that those tweets that I mentioned earlier said. But instead, he surprised me. He said that he's always liked Dragonborn, except for the boobs. You try having a heated debate in an office boardroom on why dragons don't have breasts and you realize how surreal this job is. So it wasn't him. It wasn't the artist of the original dragon boobs who made that decision. It was a whole Wizards of the Coast boardroom decision. I don't know who was in that boardroom, but there were apparently debates before the image was even released that not even the uh, not even the original artist agreed with which I just thought was fascinating because I thought for sure William O'Connor whose signature is on so many of these infamous drawings had something to do with it but he claims he didn't I thought that was really interesting so if anybody was curious because I know I was and I went on a deep dive finding these (laughs) I think perhaps according to the one blog I found from Emily Maybe they took inspiration from Todd Lockwood, who has a history of drawing women in not-so-okay lights, and they used his influence while they were creating Dragonborn, and that influence didn't really jive with some of the artists. So in case you were wondering, no definite conclusions, unfortunately, but I just thought it was hashtag fun facts. Or maybe... The boardroom was all men and men like boobs. <gasps> a shocking accusation. <laughs> <laughs> that's just a hypothetical, maybe. I, I'm not even convinced that that's the reason, but um, that's a probable reason, honestly. I mean, if they, if they, somebody really wanted boobs on this dragon board, let's just say that. Multiple people, I think, did because it seems like there was a whole boardroom of these people and like they maybe put it up to a vote or maybe just a couple of powerful people in the company wanted it. But yeah, that's all I got for my section. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. TED Talk on dragon boobs. On dragon boobs and dragonborn lore. And now we get to do our concluding thoughts and maybe, just maybe, (laughs) we can have an opinion on this. (laughs) Because we've done a lot of analysis and I we've had a lot of good conversations about it. But do we have opinions? That is that is the real question that we're here to answer. We always have opinions. Excuse me. It's true. But like usually we go in knowing our opinions and then maybe they yeah. shift a little bit. But then we usually like we usually I think have a pretty good, you know, self-awareness of what we're going to say. But this time I honestly don't know. I'm going to have to take a minute to think about it. I have to take a minute. But. Yeah, we will see you in our concluding thoughts. Concluding thoughts. So welcome to the conclusion slash our outro. Now, this has been a a very confusing at times 
episode because we were equally confused as to what our thoughts were during the whole process of recording. So if you've stuck with us for this long, congratulations, pat yourself on the back, stand up, take a good stretch, maybe get some, I don't know, coffee or give yourself some chocolate because you've gotten through the gist of it. And now we're just going to wrap up what our actual thoughts are on this topic. So starting us off will be Chardonnay. Oh, me? Yes, you. Oh, me? Oh, man. Okay. So my thoughts are pretty linear, so I'll just read out my notes here. From our research and how I'm making sense of this whole controversy is that it started as an artist decision, the dragon boobs, started as an artist decision in Dungeons & Dragons for 3rd edition. The audience, by the time 4th edition was announced, uh, had changed, aka more women, people with titties, people with who weren't their usual audience. They were now eagerly anticipating the new edition and with them brought a lot of opinions and a lot of questions that maybe Wizards of the Coast and people who worked on Dungeons and Dragons in general just were not prepared for. And uh, instead of directly addressing it, I believe they rushed slash scrambled slash maybe they put even more thought into it than I'm giving them credit for, but they wrote, they had somebody write a Dragon Magazine article that Ultimately didn't end up at the handbooks, which I kind of found quite odd. But regardless, uh, it was, in my opinion, a bit sloppy, a bit hard to follow logistically, even for a fantasy race and even for a fantasy game. I still think there should be some threads of logic kind of more woven through just to make it more, just to make it easier to digest and just to make it easier to understand. And to make it more believable, honestly, because all good fantasy is grounded in some sort of reality. Overall, my overall opinion is weird because I don't think I've ever said this. I don't think I care that much about dragon boobs, honestly, (laughs) as a concept, which is weird for me to say. But I think I – not that I don't care. It's it's difficult to put into words. So if it's – I – who am I to say who can and cannot put titties onto whatever they want to put titties onto? You know, whether it be in costume, whether it be in drawing, whether it be in fiction, whatever you like, as long as you're not hurting anybody, it's fine. I do, however, have some issues on if you're going to put boobs onto something that has lore, write good lore for it. Don't be sloppy with it. Think about it beforehand, especially if you have a wide audience, uh, like in terms of D&D. For most people, this won't apply to you. If, you just, if you're an artist and you want to draw boobs on something, go ham. Just be respectful with it and don't be a dick about it and know your audience. <laughs> don't yeah, don't just, yeah, just be respectful. I, I, I'll just say, be respectful. And also, just, can we just not, if you're going to draw boobs on somebody or a creature that usually doesn't have them, can you just stop putting boob plate and bikini armor on them, please? 
Like if you if you want them to have boobs, if you want them to be able to breastfeed in your lore, that's totally cool with me. But like don't objectify them in the same way that other women and people with boobs have been objectified in the past, please, because with it carries a lot of weight. <laughs> and that's probably maybe where some of the criticism was coming from is because that first dragon boob image was in it was bikini armor so maybe that's where a lot of the initial reactions came from I don't want to speak for anybody but that's where my mind first went was first ooh there is boobs on a dragonborn and then also but really like boob plate again (laughs) so yeah overall opinions if you want to put boobs on a creature be respectful and don't be a dick about it and stop using boob plate and bikini armor Especially if it's as big a property as D&D because a lot of people look up to you and you know better by now. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> uh, so for myself, I think that the starting point for Dragonborns were dragons to begin with. And dragons are mytholo- mythological creatures. I can pronounce words. Mythological creatures. and may not necessarily have their biology mapped out to begin with. They're, they are, they stem from actual myths of different cultures. They, we might not actually know how the myths work because it's, you know, there's a, an element of magic and myth and fantasy. So you would think that nobody gives a shit about how dragons work, right? Wrong! Because D&D players give a shit about how things work in D&D. So if you're going to put something in D&D, you're going to have to give two shit, maybe even three, about how things work that you put into the game. Think long and hard about how it works, why it works like this, and or give an explanation that will end Tittygate 2027 because until somebody fundamentally gives us as a player group of D&D an answer as to do dragonborns have titties or do not have titties this is just gonna bounce back and forth and there will be no end to this discussion This is my plea for Wizards of the Coast. As a person who has not played a Dragonborn or read through the Dragonborn lore in 5e, I hope that you have filled the plot holes that you left in your previous editions. I hope that you can own up to your mistakes and have or can or can fix them or have fixed them. And I hope there will be no Titty Gate 2050 or further on down the line because the internet is a place where they're still going to have arguments even if you have fixed the problem because people will have opinions about it anyway. But you can minimize the number of people having opinions and ranting about Titty Gates and lizard boobs and dragon born boobs on the internet by, you know, stating something, fixing the lore, 
as for my opinion, my personal opinion is I would like to see something else outside of tits in lore, in D&D races, because not everything is about human sexual interests, body parts. There is the possibility of so much more world building and lore and that you can like just take a look at nature and look at how peacocks you know have their mating habits and things like that like you don't just have to stick to what you know because the world is vast there's lots of things to draw inspiration from you don't have to go and stick with the easy option I would love for there to be some variability, but it is lore is difficult to make and write and build. I understand this. But if you're getting a shitload of money from people who love D&D, then can you can you just can you just try? That's all I ask. In terms of do I not or do I do want to see do I do want to see boobs on a lizard or dragonborns? I don't particularly care. If you want to be biologically correct, put some boobs on it. If you want to play as mega feminine and cannot or can better identify with your character if it has boobs, have boobs. You could be the only dragonborn in the entire race that has boobs for no particular reason. I don't I don't I don't give a shit. But just as long as it's not, like, male gazy, over-sexualized, we'll put bo- boobs on it just because <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> like, as long as, I'm not, as long as I'm not subjected to that personally, I'm, you know what, you, if you do that in your own groups, that's fine. I will judge you. But, you know, that's just, just that's just me. So, I, yeah, that's, that's, that's my conclusion. Thank you. I think those were good conclusions. So TLDR, we both don't really care if you put dragon boobs on it. But if you do, be better with your lore. And if you create new lore, stop being so lazy with it. Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) But at the end of the day, it's your table, to our listeners particularly, it's your table. As long as everybody's cool with what's happening at the table, that's fine. As long as you're not hurting anybody, that's fine. And also, I do feel the need to point out that 5th edition fifth edition doesn't have dragon boobs anymore. And they, Mike Merles, who is a lead designer on 5th edition, also said, I think I wrote, I read an article in my research that said they were like an equal opportunist with uh, cheesecake art now. So every time they're now trying to, for as however many boobs they show, they're trying to show like more like sexy six packs and stuff. So they are aware of it. <laughs> they're aware at least of their what they're doing on that aspect. So I mean, yeah, nothing wrong with cheesecake stuff. Just be equal opportunist with it. Yeah, and that's all we ask. Don't, yeah, don't oversexualize it and don't be a dick about it, which is our mantra. Speaking of our mantra, uh, let's get to that. But first, we got to plug our social media. So. If you don't follow us on social media, we are at Slovenly Trolls on everything. Twitter and Instagram specifically is are the two platforms we use the most. So follow us, DM us, 
If you have thoughts that are a bit too large for social media or social media makes you nervous, totally valid. Elon Musk bought Twitter, as we mentioned. So, I mean, hey, <laughs> like we also have an email, slovenlytrolls at gmail.com. And if you missed our announcement on our social medias, which is, again, why you should follow us. We make a lot of announcements on there because we're a monthly podcast and we can only say so much on a monthly podcast. We started a new podcast. <laughs> what? 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 We did. We did that thing. Uh, we, uh, with our friend of the network, co-host of the Right in the Fields podcast, Terry, we are doing a weekly D&D podcast where we just talk about D&D news and just regular old D&D discussions where it's not as edited, it's not as research, it's just us talking about our opinions and our personal games and speaking our opinions on some D&D news. So if that sounds cool to you, the first episode is set to premiere on Tuesday, May 3rd, so a couple days after this episode goes out, and it's called The Cave Trolls. So if you wanted more of us, uh, we don't have the resources yet to do two slovenly trolls per month yet, because holy crap, there's a lot of research and time that goes into this. How, but we heard you loud and clear. If you want to hear us more often, go ahead and uh, check us out on May 3rd on Cave Trolls with Terry. And we are so excited for you to hear and let us know what you think. And if not, if it's not your jam, if you just like us as the Slovenly Trolls, that's cool too. Uh, we also have Patreon with our entire network. Uh, it's patreon.com slash creations. And we are going to put up some stretch goals there soon. So some bonus content, which actually we're going to record right after this recording. We're going to call it something like, what, like Slovenly Trolls After Dark, where we talk about tech issues that happened during the episode <laughs> and vent about it. We'll talk about uh, stuff that got cut out of the episode. So a bunch of research that didn't make it. And uh, we're going to be putting that up on our Patreon. So if that's interesting to you, head on over there. If you can't, that's totally cool. We're so glad you're listening. Uh, I think that's it for all the plugs. I know this is the worst part of the episode for a lot of people, but thank you so much if you're still sticking around. That's it from us. We've been the Slovenly Trolls. And don't forget the number one rule of D&D. Don't, don't be, be a dick. dick. The Slovenly Trolls podcast is part of the Can't Be Killed Creations podcast network. Make sure to check us out at campykilledcreations.com.